Welcome to the fucking show. And sorry, I know you guys wanted to clap, but everything I'm going to say is going to be amazing. Uh, how do you pay, man? Uh, if you don't write checks, how do you pay these guys? Great cash, homie. Mama, there goes that man. Hello and welcome to Carson Sack episode 101. We have a massive, massive episode for you this week. We have a mail sack full of some great questions. We also are going to preview and talk about college football. A huge, huge, huge week that we had in week one with tons of good games, big games, and some games that are going to have some effects, I think, for the rest of the season, and we're going to get into those. We also have to look at week two, a few big matchups to talk about there, and then I think the real reason people are tuning in this episode, we have our NFL preview. We are going to look into week one, uh, talk about those matchups, predict some winners on there. We'll have the sack picks that I'll give out as well when we go on there. We'll track those, um, and then we will also give you uh, the division winners, the wild cards, and then I will give you my Super Bowl pick and then my award picks as well on top of that. So a massive, massive episode filled with a lot of different things here, but going to be a good one. Uh, I do need to remind you all, as always, like, rate, review, subscribe, all that other good shit on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from. It helps me out tremendously. So without further ado, let's cut the shit. Let's get right into the mail sack. Our first question on the mail sack this week actually is a holdover from last week that I forgot to get to, so I apologize about that. But it comes from Paul Marino who asks, What is your ideal NFL Sunday? Like where to watch, how to watch, beer, etc. She says, just for an example, a Sunday all day at B-Dubs by myself. I hope to God you're not doing that, Polly, um, but I would not put it past you to do that. My ideal NFL Sunday, I'm waking up preferably around 10 or 11, possibly going and getting some donuts or some Brugers right down the street. I'm going to come back and I'm going to watch the fantasy football now from about 11 until 12.30 or 12 until 1. Also, this all depends on if there's an F1 race. If there's an F1 race on, I'm unfortunately probably going to have to wake up early and watch that. That's just the way that works. But doing all that um, and then maybe go to Saints. Um, That has been a thing that I've done in the past with a group of – my friends that I've enjoyed, maybe go to Saints and then typically watch the one o'clock games, eat there, drink some Blue Moons, uh, some Miller Lights, maybe some Miller High Lives, anything like that. Um, And then maybe linger for the first half of the four o'clock games and then either go back to somebody's house or if not, come back to my own house, um, fire up NFL Red Zone, and then just decompress um, for those 4 o'clock games, watch those happen, 
and then get food before the eight o'clock game. I absolutely dis. I don't really like NBC's pregame like at all. So I'm fine with like dicking around, missing that, looking at my phone, doing anything while they're doing. So typically, I'll run out and get dinner before the eight o'clock game, and then I will just like to sit um, and just reflect and not really have to talk a bunch um, for that. NBC night game because I just want to like prepare myself for the week ahead but that would be the ideal Sunday Um, most Sundays though it is spent with the two TVs that I have one of them on red zone and then one of them on either a Browns game or one of the Fox or NBC games excuse me Fox or CBS games on the early window that I have either the Browns on or the team that I have the most fantasy players like that game that is on the second TV but red zone um, takes precedent really because that I think is the newer better way to watch football rather than just sitting and watching an entire game but I, I digress but those are preferably my two like if I could have a Sunday like that every Sunday for these games I would do that 100%. Uh, moving on to our next question, uh, it comes from Davis Cannabell who asks, how does Ohio State offense get it going slash is Notre Dame a top 10 team? They're probably at the end of the year, not a top 10 team, but they'll probably be around like that 11 to 16 mark. Like that win isn't going to be looked upon Poorly, um, I'm referencing the 21 to 10 win um, Ohio State had over Notre Dame this past weekend. That win's not going to be like, oh, can you believe they only beat them by 11? People are gonna look at that win and be like, okay, it happened. It was the first game of the year. A lot of different things were going on. Notre Dame was doing a lot of different d- things defensive wise that Ohio State really wasn't expecting. It happened, whatever, it was an 11-point win. I don't think Ohio State's getting enough credit for how they won that game compared to, obviously, I think the big team from the weekend, you could probably say was Georgia, and they beat Oregon, who 11th in the country going into the game, but are they really that good? Don't really know. And how they beat them was like fairly impressive. I get that. But... Um, sorry, I'm going off on a little tangent here um, in turn, but I just don't think Ohio State is getting enough credit for how they beat Notre Dame, the style of game that was. Uh, so to answer your question, Notre Dame a top 10 team, they're going to hover around it for a while, but like I said, I could see them finishing in that 11 to 16 range and not being a big issue for strength of like the resume for Ohio State when it comes playoff time. And then how does the Ohio State offense get it going? Like I said, I think Notre Dame played a bunch of too high safety and was really just daring Ohio State to run the ball for a while there, basically until the entire second half. Ryan Day didn't really seem that committed to running the ball. Also, you take out Jackson Smith and Jigba, and then you lose Julian Fleming, who I think that is who Stroud has had the most, like, Time with is Jackson Smith and Jibby and Julian Fleming. They're both out. So Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka, and then Xavier Johnson, who scores that touchdown, are like your top three receivers. Jane Ballard, shout out him. One of my favorite players, a hand-selected guy uh, by me. He got some PT too, but I would have liked to have seen Day maybe really commit more to that run in the first half because it was there, it was available. Would like to see maybe some screen passes too. Um, and I also would like to see C.J. Stroud use his feet a little bit more. I, I can 
fully appreciate him wanting to keep his eyes downfield and always make the play with a throw. And, like, I understand that. But also, there were a few plays there in that game where he forced the ball on a throw when he could have just ran six yards up the middle, gotten a first down or gained six yards, slid down, and it's still a positive net play. Like, I I don't think it's going to happen. Like, there, I don't think there's going to be some, like, come-to-God moment that is going to make C.J. Shroud want to run the ball a little bit more than what he has. But, yeah, so to answer yours, how does Ohio State just get the offense going? Get it healthy. I mean, I don't really think it's that big of a deal if Fleming and JSN don't play this week. They play Arkansas State. They've got some players there, uh, but nothing you need. Um, Obviously, you probably want them back. Maybe get a few game reps in the third game before Wisconsin. But just I would like Ryan Day to not be afraid to run the ball. Um, I just think with the running backs they have with Henderson and Williams, um, and we saw um, how well Williams did on the one drive, you can sort of lean on some people. When things get tough or you need um, just to hit reset on the offense a little bit, just hand it off a bunch. Um, it can work. We have enough bodies. Our offensive line, I think, is good enough to where we can do that. So that would be how I would say get the offense going. Don't be afraid to run the ball and get everybody healthy. Uh, next up, Matt Ewells asks, do you agree with the choice to start Mitch Trubisky over Kenny Pickett? And what is your prediction for the game against the Bengals? Ewells, I'm going to answer that second half of the question in the NFL preview. So stick around for that. I know you will. Um, and then... The choice um, by the Steelers to start Mitch over Kenny. They paid Kenny, uh, excuse me, they paid Mitch. Um, sort of, I do think that he probably is at this point the better quarterback. Um, and I have no problem with that. Start the better guy. Um, obviously, you go, are, you are the Steelers, you use a first round pick on Kenny Pickett like that. He's going to see some time, but I think. With the amount of money and everything that the Steelers ended up paying Mitch in free agency this year, it was sort of his job to lose, and Kenny didn't do enough to win it, and Mitch didn't do enough to lose it, so whatever. And I've said previously, I we've seen what Mitch Trubisky can do in like a semi-decent offense and then on a team with a great defense. He can get you to the playoffs. He got the Bears to the playoffs on two separate occasions. Um and I understand, like, he sort of was never really the vocal point of any of those teams. He made some plays um, here and there, and he put up decent numbers, but the defense is really what helped a bunch on those two teams in Chicago that got to the playoffs. And this defense for the Steelers is, I think, fairly decent. They've got a bunch of good players. Um, T.J. Watt, obviously, Mika Fitzpatrick, uh, Bush at linebacker there. Um, and some there's talent there. It I just think at this point, as I said, Mitch has shown he can take a team like this and have success with it. And it was probably his job coming in, whether Tomlin and the organization didn't want to like come out and say that. Um, and he didn't do anything to lose it. And Kenny didn't do enough to win it. If that's not to say that if five games in, they're one and four, zero oh and five, and Mitch is sucking, that Kenny won't get a shot um I think obviously you do need to do that and you can see and roll and roll with Kenny and see what you have there but just I have no issue with the Steelers putting uh Trubisky up there to start uh 
Next question comes from Andrew Crum, who asks, if Sats Satterfield ends up out at UofL, who do you think they should go after? Um, I had a little bit of this conversation with somebody this past weekend. I think if Satterfield goes, so many people are in the Louisville fan base that are just infatuated with Brom from Purdue. And I, my whole thing is, Purdue obviously, I don't think, would dedicate the same amount of money and resources uh, to the football program as UofL would. I mean, we see what, whether it's UofL and the NIL or Adidas and the NIL, whatever it is, we've seen how there's money coming into Louisville Athletics for the football team that they're able to get some commitments from some highly touted guys. Um, not to say that Brom can't do that at Purdue or anything like that, but it just hasn't happened yet. Um, a big thing that I would say about the Satterfield like just situation that I also I, I posed to you, Andrew, a bunch, and I posed to any L fan really um, in response to this. Recruiting wise, Satterfield is a part of this. Like he is a part of the recruiting efforts for Clarkson, for Owens, for all the other talented guys you have in this next upcoming class. Like he's a part of that recruiting effort. What happens when he's gone? Um, I posed that this weekend. If you're going to get rid of Satterfield, one, you're probably not going to get Brom in the middle of a season. So like there's strike one, but then you risk losing all of these recruits highly touted that you have and again nil i don't know if that's going to make such a big difference to these players that like hey whatever like we'll stay we'll come to U of L. we're going to get paid this x amount of money um regardless of who the coach is we're still going to come here and if that's the case then like yeah whatever hire anybody but um i was saying if you're going to get rid of satterfield you need to name that successor kind of quickly and i know that's hard to do like in the middle of a season like i think that's kind of unprecedented but that new coach would be i think so behind the eight ball um with the recruiting efforts that you probably lose maybe Owens or Clarkson or hopefully not both if you're a Vell fan, but probably at least one of those guys, if not both of those guys, as sort of like your like corner pieces of your recruiting class. So um, again, like I said, I know U of L fans it always harpens back to Brom because of like the story it would be and all this. And I think Brom would do an excellent job, but also I think you need to go and just go higher like a offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator from like an Etsy from like Alabama, go get one of those guys, go get fucking somebody from Georgia, go get somebody like make a big fucking splash with the hire. Like, and I don't know if Brom like locally. Yeah. He a hundred percent moves the needle, but like nationally, like how much does that really elevate U of L sports like yes I think you definitely improve and if Adidas and Louisville and the boosters and everything are going to continue um to do that NIL stuff and get good players in then yeah long term down the road that's going to help but I mean just look at Brom and his decision making in the first game against Penn State like if he would have just kept, ran the ball and stopped trying to throw it Penn State doesn't have an opportunity to win that game at all at the end of the game so uh, there's 
coaching question marks there as well. Um, I have absolutely no idea um, who you could go out and get. Um, I'm just saying that I know Brom is probably at the top of a lot of people's list, but I'm saying if you are going to do something like that, um, go out and get like pay somebody a ridiculous amount of money, make a fucking splash with the hire. Cause I, I don't think Satterfield to Brom is an exactly lateral move. I do think you go up a lot, not a lot. I think you do raise expectations and the team's floor a little bit, but I don't think you see the payoff and the dividends for a few, like maybe five or six years out with Brom, where I think if you were to bring somebody else in that bigger, more established maybe name or something like that, um, the dividends are sooner and the culture is changed a lot quicker is what I would say. Um, let's see, moving on. We have to open up Instagram. Let me do that real quick. Our first question from Instagram comes from Trent Revelette, who asks, if Lewis doesn't win a race this season, do you think he will retire? I don't. I do think, though, that this season is going to wear on him. I don't think he's going to retire in a season without winning a race. Um, I think he's more likely. I think, uh, first off, I know where you stand on this. You don't like Lewis. You're a Max fan. But I think anybody that is rooting against Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton and they want Lewis Hamilton to retire, they need to be rooting for him to win a race um, this year. Maybe multiple because I don't think he's going to retire without um, a win that season. Like he's going to want that. Um, Every breakdown I've seen so far of predicting the grid next year still has George and Lewis racing with Mercedes. I understand Lewis is only on that one-year deal, and I think that's what his like contracts are going to be going on. And I think there's go- going forward, and I think there is going to be this like song and dance every year for the next maybe hopefully two to three years where it's like, oh, is Lewis going to retire? Is he going to retire? This, that, like all that. Um, But no, I don't think, one, he retires after the end of this year, and especially if he loses. He has to go out um, on a season with at least one win. Next question, next set of questions, excuse me, comes from Michael Bennett who asks, this first one, is the UK-Florida spread too much, too little, or just right? Let me take a gander and look at this real quick for you, Mike. Let me pull up my app that has the uh, betting on it. Looking at it, it's Florida minus four and a half. I think that's, to be quite honest, too little. Um, I think Florida could be a six. Six and a half point favorite, and I'd feel comfortable taking that. Um, I'll get into that a little bit later um, when I talk about the Florida, Florida, um, Kentucky game this weekend. Mike continues up that question and says, I miss Texas being in title contention. How long till they're back? I think they're not back this year, and I think we're going to see that quite apparently um, this coming week when they play Alabama. If Quinn Ewers is what he is supposed to be and Sartre continues to get enough talent in there, 
I don't know what your definition of back means. Um, if you mean competing for Big 12 championships, well, f- for the like immediate future Big 12 championships and then SEC championships, uh, I think they have a better chance of competing for Big 12 championships in the near future than they do the SEC championships. Uh, if it means winning national titles, I don't think we're going to be back. Texas will be. Uh, in a very like long time, but if they could be players conference-wise, um, especially in the Big 12 while they're still there, I think that could be maybe next year, maybe even flirt with a little bit this year, but no, I don't think national championships are in the future for Texas. Um, I'll just go out and say within the next 10 years. I don't think it happens. And then he also asked, if I like the over-under Lions win total, did Hard Knock show enough good to feel confident for the over? Let me double-check what their win total is real quick. So the win total for the Lions is over or under 6.5 games. The over is minus 125. Last year, I was big on the Lions over uh, win total. I thought... That, yeah, like, the guy they're bringing in, Dan Campbell, the coach, obviously Goff is, like, a competent enough NFL quarterback. Um, John Deere Swift was exciting, um, but sort of got a little, like, overzealous with that. But let me just run down their schedule and let me, I'll go through it with you real quick. The Eagles and the Commanders, that Commanders game is a toss-up, so let's give it, let's give them that. So they're one and one. Then the next winnable game, they have the Seahawks. So there's two, um, three against the Bears, four against the Giants, five against the Jaguars, six against the Jets, seven against the Panthers, eight against the Bears. So theoretically, if they were to win all the games they're supposed to, they're looking at eight. They probably won't win all those games, and they'll probably win a game they shouldn't lose. So I feel comfortable saying, yeah, they can get at least seven wins. Um, yeah, so take that. And do I think Hard Knock showed enough good for it? Um, Hard Knock's really focused on a I felt like there was a lot of stories they could have told more. Um, they sort of made it very at times I felt about the coaches more than the players this year like obviously you had Hutchinson and you have you have to follow some of the like lower tier like cut line guys I get that and there's a few Jared Goff stuff in there but I would have liked to see more about DeAndre Swift I would have liked to see more about Hawkerson I would have liked to see more about Jeff Okuda I would have liked to have seen more um, about Amon Ross St. Brown I would have seen a little bit more um, just about a few other guys that are going to be key um, players in the success rate of this team going forward. But no complaints or anything besides that. Um, I do think, as you like phrased it, Mike, that, yeah, Hard Knock showed me enough good that uh, I think they'll be decent and be able to get you that over win total. Next question comes from Chris Amsa to ask, what am I hitting off the tee at Cherokee number eight? For those of you that have not played Cherokee, uh, that is about a, what's like 185, 180 yard par three um, with a big like hill down in the middle. So it's just like a gully down there um, with grass and everything, obviously, but 
Um, typically, I am hitting my three hybrid um, coming up short unless I like really get a hold of it. Um, chipping up, hoping to get it close and making either a three or a four on that hole and just keeping it fucking moving. I really don't have like... 180 185 yard shot consistently like if I get a hold of a three hybrid and stuff like I can 100% get it there but it's just not being consistent enough with my game to hit that club well enough on a regular basis for me to like do what I need to but that's the uh, game plan typically what happens on that um, let's see. My next question comes from Zach Berber, Zach Berger, who asked, "Who is your dark horse in fantasy football this year?" Um, you can go back and listen to it a little bit. Um, from last week, uh, I had a question like this from one other person. Um, I really think Trey Lance is going to be decent. Um, running back wise. Um, I talked a little bit about this, but I think J.K. Dobbins has a big bounce week, bounce back year. Rashad Bateman, I'm all on on him. Uh, running back wise, I like Chris Olave. Um, I like Drake London. I like Kyle Pitts. Uh, I have no problem if you were to take Juju Smith Schuster. There's a ton of um, targets in that Chiefs offense that need to be accounted for over 300. So those are just some of the guys there. I know that's not like a super deep any like thing, but I broke this down a little bit last week. So go back and listen to that if you'd like a little bit more broken down. Our next question comes from Jack Newcomer who asks, Cats uh, Gators prediction. I'm going to get into that a little bit more in the uh, college football preview portion of this episode I will say though that Jack and the rest of the Kentucky fans myself included probably not going to be too happy with uh, what I have to say about that but we'll get to that a little bit later on but read between the lines and then our last question comes from Emily Shank who asks who will win fantasy um Emily Shank, oh, I said Shank, excuse me, it's Emily Smith, she hasn't changed her Instagram name yet, um, the sooner you do that, whatever, the better, doesn't matter, whatever, um, looking at your, I assume you're talking about your league that drafted last night, it pains me to say, um, I don't, like, hate your team, Emily, um, I think Claire has a good team, I like what Alex did um, with Najee Harris and Devontae Adams and J.K. Dobbins and Darren Waller. I think that's a very strong first four rounds. Um, I appreciated Hannah's style of drafting, um, more so going with vibes um, than really anything else. I don't dislike what Steph did either um, with her top five picks, going Dalvin Cook, Javante Williams, Kyle Pitts, A.J. Brown, and Lamar Jackson. Like I think that's good. I thought she also got good value um, in the sixth round with Chris Godwin. Um, ultimately, though, let me just take a gander. Um, I don't hate Abby's team either. I will honestly say, shit. I think Steph has a fairly decent chance to do good um, as long as none of her running backs get hurt. You, obviously, Emily, have a decent chance to do well um, 
with your team. I like that you went Cup, and then you paired it with two pretty decent running backs. Um, Claire also as well, I feel like she puts in like a ton of effort and isn't really rewarded all that much, but I will say... I don't know how many people get in your all's playoffs, but I think Steph, Alex, you, or Claire is going to win this year. And then that is going to do it for this episode's edition of the Mail Sack. As always, I am extremely grateful for you all sending these in. That segment is not possible without you all. Uh, Keep your eyes peeled for my stories on Snapchat and Instagram where you can send in questions for next week's mail sack. Without further ado, let's move on to some college football, talk about some week one games, and look ahead to week two. All right, we now shift our focus, as I said, to college football. Looking back at some of the bigger games from last week, just quickly get out um, the Ohio State-Notre Dame game. A few quick thoughts on that. I think Ohio State's defense vastly improved. We saw that. I think I tweeted this a little bit, but Notre Dame represented a lot of the problems that Ohio State had last year, just big physical fronts that can run the ball and were causing Ohio State problems all of last year. Um, Was not the case at all um, in this game. I mean, rushing-wise, total, the team had, Notre Dame had 76 yards um, on 30 rushes. That's pretty good. Like, love that. Um, Receiving-wise, 10 catches for 177 yards, like, nothing wrong with that either. Um, Ohio State's defense was vastly improved, and that was the biggest question. And as I answered in Davis's. uh, what's it called, mail sack segment question, that offense is going to be fine. No need to really be worried about that at all. Um, the other big game this week, uh, Georgia against Oregon. I mean, Bo Nix comes out, 173 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions, more of like a typical Bo Nix game than what uh, people were expecting. Uh, Stetson Bennett, 25 of 31, 368 yards, two touchdowns, was surgical, um, but was I was fairly impressed with Milton on the ground. Um, I know he only got eight carries for 50 yards, um, a touchdown as well, but had a good average, was showing burst as well that I thought uh, the team needed. And then uh, McIntosh as well, the receiver, um, he comes and he gets, well, the running back, but receiving-wise, he had nine catches, 117 yards, um, it'll be interesting to see if he continues to be used like that um, in the passing game or what. But uh, I was just, I mean, I knew Georgia was going to be good. Um, I didn't know Oregon was going to be that bad um, was another big thing. It will be interesting to see how Georgia's defense continues to grow and players that are stepping in for the ones that left for the draft, how they continue to progress and how... Maybe this offense can become like a little bit better as well. Uh, I think Georgia is going to be one of the better teams all year, and it'll be for Oregon. Just hit the reset button. Obviously, probably 
knocks you out, I would assume, of the college football playoff just because of how you lost. But I I don't know. I just think they have to hit a hard reset uh, up in Eugene for that. Um, what was a great game, probably not the game of the week, but um, Arkansas hosting Cincinnati, a fantastic game. Uh, K.J. Jefferson uh, through the air, 223 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, Bryant, the new quarterback for Cincinnati, did some good things as well. 325 yards, two touchdowns, and only one interception. Uh, but Knox for Arkansas stepping up uh, with the Burks app. Burks absence after he leaves for the NFL. Six catches, 75 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, pretty impressive there as well. Um, also. Cincinnati showing some fight. They fall down 14-0. Um, they go into uh, half down, as I said, 14-0. Then the third quarter, they fall down 21-7. They bring it all the way back to uh, 24-31 at the end uh, with five minutes left and just couldn't get the ball back, couldn't get a stop or anything like that. So uh, tough game for Cincinnati to open up with after um, – Losing a ton of players through the draft and everything. Uh, but Cincinnati be right there in their conference. And encouraging to see Arkansas be able to handle a tough team like that. Um, really, the only other game that I feel like I need to talk about from last week is the Utah-Florida game. Um, I think on the podcast I gave out Utah. I bet Florida money line and I bet Utah spread. Um, I, I just wanted to have money on the game. I felt like... I understand, like, I was going to lose money regardless either way. But uh, I don't want to overreact as like a, hey, I told you so because it's only one game. But I did say, and I'm going to reiterate right now, Anthony Richardson is the second best quarterback in the SEC. I'm going to repeat that probably a decent amount this year until, like, it's sunken in into people's heads I know that throwing the ball wise it wasn't super impressive 17 to 24 168 yards made throws when he had to but was also sort of just working the middle and the right side of the field was not working blindside to the left there so I mean defend the middle and the right and make him throw the ball to the left and just see how that works but the highlight plays were spectacular. Um, 11 carries, 106 yards, three touchdowns on the ground. Again, do I think Anthony Richardson is going to be a like great NFL prototypical quarterback? No, but he is a good college quarterback, and he is the second-best quarterback in the SEC. And Florida's defense, at times, they did get pushed around a little bit. That's totally fine, whatever. But when they needed it most, down um, near the goal line at the end of the game, they come up with a big interception. They were able to run fairly decently on Utah as well. Just looking at the box score here. Total-wise, 283 yards on 39 carries. That's not bad at all. So, um, yeah, an impressive win by Florida. It's fucking crazy they shot from unranked to 12th after that but uh that's just the reactionary world we live in i guess but those are really the big games um good games that i felt that i needed to talk about from last week also it 
not a big game by any means, but North Carolina and the Appalachian State game was probably the best game of the weekend. Um, the failed two two-point conversions by Appalachian State was uh, heartbreaking. I it was fucking crazy that North Carolina actually went to App State to play that game. But, uh, yeah, those were just some of the games I felt that I needed to talk about from last week. We continue on after looking at the big games from last week, looking at some games for this week. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk a little bit about this one. Louisville going down to the bounce house and facing UCF. Uh, Louisville off a disappointing loss to Syracuse up in Syracuse. I do think, um, as I texted a few friends, um, as a holder of a over six and a half wins by the Louisville Cardinals this year, I don't feel all that great by what I saw um, in that game, but... I don't think we're going to get a win uh, for that season total here by the Cards either. I think the uh, quarterback for UCF, uh, Plumlee, four touchdowns through the air, 308 yards passing, 86 yards on the ground by himself, and one touchdown um, is going to cause a lot of problems for uh, Louisville. They couldn't really stop the run game last week against Syracuse. The uh, running back for Syracuse, uh, caused a lot of missed tackles. It's it's sort of the same things we've been saying about Satterfield and the Cardinals defense for the last couple of years. We got to make tackles. We got to do better offensive play calling. We got to execute better. Blah 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 blah. And it just has not happened yet. So interested to see. Um, maybe that turns around, but I don't think it happens Friday night and UCF wins that game. Um, Another local matchup, Kentucky going down to the Swamp in Florida. I think Kentucky fans are way too confident going into this one. Like, I don't know if perception in the fan base has really changed from the uh, from what it was before the season to after seeing Florida beat against Utah. I think the new slant people are trying is like, oh, good. Florida's going to have these big heads. They're going to think they're so good. They're not going to take Kentucky serious enough, and they're just going to go in there and win. I will say I was impressed um, with Robinson for Kentucky, the wide receiver. I figured he was going to be good, um, but I wasn't expecting him to go um, for six catches and 136 yards like he did. Um, A couple of the freshmen made some plays for Kentucky in the special teams game. Um, The running game, though, Smoke. Seven carries and McLean, six carries, 32 yards and 16 yards apiece. That's not going to get it done. Um, but Key and Brown, four catches and three catches for 53 and 45 yards, respectfully. I like that. Um, and like I said, they got involved in the special team games um, as well. Brown on the kick return, um, scoring a touchdown. Uh I do think Kentucky has a chance to win this game, but I do think that Florida is going to be able to keep momentum rolling, and I think Richardson might be able to cause some problems for Kentucky's defense. Um, So I'm going to take Florida to win this game. I was going to take Florida to win this game um, before the season, and I'm going to stick with that. I think they do win that game. Uh, Another big one, Alabama goes to Texas. Alabama is sitting at a... A 20-point favorite, not surprising at all. Um, Bijan Robinson last week, 71 yards on 10 carries. 
Uh, Quinn Ewers, 225 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. That's the skill player stuff for Texas. Like, they're not bad, but the interior line play um, on both sides of the ball, like the defensive line and the offensive line, is just nowhere near um, physical enough, I think, to keep up with Alabama. So I think Alabama goes in and sort of just reasserts dominance and shows like, hey, yeah, we're pretty good, um, and they get the win there. Really moving on, there's not um, – the next, like, top 25 matchup you could between both teams you have is Tennessee and Pittsburgh um, going up at that, and that's um, in Pittsburgh. So uh, nice to see Tennessee schedule and add a conference game like that. Um, Hooker for Tennessee, 225 yards and two touchdowns last week. Um, I was not super impressed by Pittsburgh at all. Um, I understand they played a bit more competitive team than Tennessee did, but uh, Slovis, 308 yards and a touchdown. Um, Hammond Jr., the running back for Pittsburgh, I I thought he did some good things, uh, especially being able to find the end zone twice when he did. Um, But I think this is a sort of a statement-y type game maybe for Tennessee where they can come um, up to Pittsburgh, run up the score a bit, um, and maybe win by double digits. Um, I like Tennessee in that one uh, pretty comfortably. Uh, Moving on, that's really like, oh, the only other real big game that you have um, coming into this week uh, is the nightcap. Baylor goes to BYU. I got BYU in this one. Hall, the quarterback for them last week, 261 yards uh, through the air, two touchdowns. Did throw one interception. Understand that. Not great, but uh, did happen. And then for Baylor, uh, Shapin, 214 yards and two touchdowns. Really what I think BYU, like I said in the preview last week, they returned 15 of their top 16 stars. And I do think playing... um, in Provo is going to make a huge difference. I think that um, is a sneaky, like underrated, tough place to play when you think of like hostile environments, things like that. I know like they're Mormons and everything, so they can't be like, hey, fuck you or like anything like that, but they can make noise and they do make a ton of noise. Um, I just think BYU goes in there um, into their home stadium fueled by the crowd and they get a win over Baylor and that is really going to shoot BYU up the rankings that is going to do it for this week's um, college football segment on the podcast we are now going to switch gears and get uh, about balls deep into some NFL discussion so let's get right into it We start this preview, just I'm going to get out in front of it and say, I think the easiest way to do a sort of team-by-team breakdown and give some news and notes on each team is just going through and talking about each game. So that's what I'm going to do. And we start the NFL season on Thursday with the Bills going to the Rams. Obviously, the Rams winning the Super Bowl last year, bringing Matthew Stafford in, paid off huge dividends. This year, they signed Bobby Wagner in free agency. They lose Von Miller off the defensive line. They still obviously have 
Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. They bring in Allen Robinson. They get rid of Odell Beckham Jr. I think that's a slight upgrade, A-Rob, over Odell, but that's neither here nor there. Cam Akers is going to be hopefully fully healthy for them, so that's a very dangerous uh, position there because I do think Henderson, they're running back for them as well. That can be a very good like one-two punch to complement the play-action game that uh, Liam Cohen, the offensive coordinator, uh, likes to do and what Matthew Stafford excels at. Obviously, they still have Cooper Cup as well. They lose Robert Woods, whatever. They slide in um, really Van Jefferson or any of the other receivers that they have there. I think the Bills, excuse me, I think the Rams are in a decent position um, this year. Uh, to make it back to the playoffs and maybe even compete for a Super Bowl again. On the other side of the field, the Bills, I, I think it's the same old thing. They they lose Brian Dable to go be the Giants head coach. I don't think that affects them a ton, but I don't think that the run game is prevalent enough for them for them to be, like, good. And I understand, like... The game they lost last year in the playoffs against the Chiefs wasn't because there wasn't a run game. It was defense and everything like that, and I think they addressed that a little bit. They bring in Von Miller to get after the quarterback. They paid him a ridiculous contract, in my opinion, but if you're Von Miller, you're not going to say no to that type of money. Whatever. But, again, I do think if Singletary... Moss, or even Cook. I think James Cook has an opportunity, um, potentially. He'll probably be like a third down back to start the year, but if he can show that like he can be an early first down runner and he can protect and pass protection and everything, I like what they have with him, and I think he could be enough run game-wise to help with them over the edge. Obviously, they bring back Diggs. They still have Isaiah McKenzie. They're expecting Gabriel Davis to take a bigger leap, which could very well happen and could put them over the edge. Their defense is still good. Um, It'll just be interesting to see because I do like the Bills, and I think they're one of the more exciting teams. Obviously, Josh Allen is an MVP candidate this year, but I don't think... Excuse me. I just had to burp there. I apologize. Um, I don't think without a competent, solid running game, that they're going to win the Super Bowl. I just don't. That's just my personal opinion. Um, In this game on Friday night, uh, spread-wise, Buffalo's two-and-a-half-point favorites. I know the Super Bowl hangover, all this other, blah, 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 blah. Um, I'm going to take the Rams in this one. Not a sack pick or anything. I just like the way it's set up for them. Uh Moving on, we have the Steelers at the Bengals on Sunday. Um, Steelers, as we talked about, going to roll with Mitch Trubisky. Bengals shored up their offensive line a little bit more. Um, Besides Collins, I don't think that offensive line really upgraded as much as people think it did. Collins is a fantastic offensive lineman. I'm not going to take that away from him at all, but I don't think Kappa is super that big one upgrade, and I think Karras as well there is totally fine, but nowhere near as big of an upgrade as people are making it out to be. They brought in a few other guys in free agency that I think will be like decent contributors, uh, Michael Thomas, the safety, um, and a few other guys. But obviously we know how that offense goes, how that team goes. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Mixon, and Boyd, 
those are like the players. Obviously, you have um, Hubbard as well on the defensive side of the ball, and uh, Henderson, Hendrickson, excuse me, uh, Henderson as well. That's going to be able to get off to the quarterback. I'm very disappointed in Jesse Bates. You got to take a stand. I can't believe he's playing on the franchise tag. Shame on. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals organization for not signing him long term, but I digress. Uh, in this game, though, I think Cincinnati wins this one pretty soundly. I think the Steelers all year are going to be hovering around 500. They've got a good defense. They've got some pieces on offense, but the quarterback is not nearly good enough for them to really make an impact and go deep anywhere in this league. Uh, so, I will take the Bengals in this one. The next game, Browns going to the Panthers. Panthers are two-and-a-half-point favorites. Don't really care about that. Um, This is a sack pick of the week. This is Browns' money line. You can take the two-and-a-half points if you want. As a Browns fan, every time Baker Mayfield had a chip-on-his-shoulder game or a Time when, oh, I'm going to come out and prove myself. Outside of a few games, uh, they ended terribly. And he did not prove himself. And it was a total fucking letdown. And I think, given the comments that he made, where, oh, I'm going to fuck him up, all this. Which, whatever, he has every right to say that. And I understand it wasn't for people's ears or anything like that, that was more of a, hey, I'm going to tell this reporter that on the sideline in a conversation. I don't expect her to tell this to people, but whatever. The Browns are going to win this game. It's probably going to be an ugly game, like maybe a 20-13 to 13 or a 19-16 to 16 or something fucking stupid like that. But uh, I do think the Browns win this game. Previews for both these teams. The Browns, I think there's deficiencies on this roster, obviously quarterbacking until Deshaun Watson gets back, and that is a whole nother can of worms that like I'm not opening right now. Again, I said I'm a Browns fan. I am. I didn't get to pick who my quarterback was. That was the organization. Whatever, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Jacoby Brissett is fine, but I think the offensive line, there's still some questions there at the center position. The wide receiving core, how well is that with just Amari Cooper is really your number one, and then Donovan Peoples-Jones, who I think could be at where he's at right now unless he takes a big step. He's a very good number three, uh, but not a number two. It'll be interesting to see if David Bell can come in and be of help Anthony Schwartz he sucks so far but it's only his second year David Njoku only 26 years old the Browns just paid a ton of money to him I think they're expecting him to take a massive leap forward um, which I think he will because Brissett likes to throw the tight ends and I think Watson as well will get him involved when he's there The defensive line concerns me, not on the outside, but the interior. They're going to need a big play from Brian, who they brought over in the offseason from the Jaguars, and then maybe uh, Perrion Winfrey, the rookie that they drafted from Oklahoma. There's a lot of question marks there. Like I said, the team, what the Browns have done in the past, it's sort of, past few years, there's... One or two like position groups that identify themselves as like an area of weakness in the season, and they do a good job of 
addressing those in the offseason, but then another just position group falls off. I don't think they did a good enough job addressing wide receiver. I understand you go get Amari Cooper. That's great. You got him on great value, but no real number two wide receiver right now, and the defensive line interior-wise is not, me personally think it's short up enough, but whatever. And the Deshaun Watson suspension, if the Browns can hover around 500 um, through that suspension and then Deshaun comes back in week uh, 11, I think that first game is against, let me double check real quick. Uh, They're not listed. Um, It's against the Texans. How serendipitous of the NFL to do that. Um, But, uh, yeah, like I'm saying, if they can hover around that 500, there's a chance, outside chance, they maybe make a wild card. But I don't know if they're going to be able to make that be around 500. Because their first four games aren't really that challenging. I mean, the Panthers, Jets, Steelers, and the Falcons. But then they got to go Chargers, Patriots, Ravens, Bengals, Dolphins, Bills, Buccaneers. Like, they could be 4-5 and five or 4-6 and six through those stretch, whatever that record would be, um, however many games that would be, but I don't think they're going to be, I, I'm more likely to say four and six than I am like five and five or by some miracle seven and three or anything like that. Panthers, preview wise, I wish Matt Corral didn't get hurt. I wish they would have just given him the keys because Sam Darnold isn't that great and neither is Baker Mayfield. It would have been nice to see what you got with Matt Corral. Matt Rule, I think, is due to get fired some point this year, if not at the end of the year, because I don't think they're really going to be good enough to warrant him staying. Next, we have the Saints and the Falcons. Uh, The Saints, five-and-a-half-point favorites. Falcons, really, I'm not saying they're punting on this year by any means, but uh, Quarterback-wise, I think we're going to see Desmond Ritter sooner or later, and I'm hoping he can pan out and show enough that Arthur Smith and the rest of that team has some belief in him going forward because I think he can be decent, but with the way the NFL is structured these days, you obviously need a quarterback to compete and win at a high level in the league, and the way the league is, there's just like, it's so much you need instant satis- like gratification, like you need to know People think that these rookie quarterbacks are going to come in and just light it up, and that's just not the case consistently. And they move on from him soon enough. But Mariota, the quarterback there right now, but I do think we are going to see Ritter probably sooner or later. It would be interesting to see how him in London and in Pitts and then Ridley come back if that is a connection um, possibly for years to come. Like if Ritter pans out right there, you got a great core right there in those four guys uh the saints they get Jameis winston back their defense is still going to be solid they replace sean payton with the defensive coordinator as well alvin Kamara should be fine from what we have gathered as long as he isn't suspended this year i like the saints a little bit to make a little noise this year but i don't think they're gonna by any means like win their conference or anything but they bring in Olave through the draft. They bring in Jarvis Landry as well. You have Michael Thomas who comes back, who I think with if they're going to like not let 
Jameis get crazy with the ball or anything. I think that's Mike Thomas is a perfect guy for him because I'm oh Mike Thomas, Mr. Slants, Mr. Slants. Like, okay, sure. If he is, let him run 10 slants a game. Jameis only has to throw the ball seven yards. There's 10 easy catches. There's 70 yards right there. Like, whatever. I think Mike Thomas and Jameis Winston can be very good together. Halave on the outside can do so many different routes well that he can be the speedster if they need him. He can be the go-across-the-middle guy. He can be the short yards-after-catch guy. Whatever. Love that. Jarvis as well. I think um, if he gets fully healthy, he can be a nice complimentary piece. They bring in Mark Ingram back as well. Familiar. uh, Fan favorite. I like the Saints a little bit. I like what they did in the offseason. In this game as well, I will take the Saints. Moving on, we have the 49ers at the Bears. I just think the Bears didn't do enough to help Justin Fields at all on the offensive line. Daryl Mooney is going to be a decent wide receiver for him. Uh, Cole Komet as well, decent wide receiver. Um, There's trouble in paradise with Raekwon Smith, whatever. If I were them, I would just trade him and get as many assets and picks as you can and try and rebuild. Uh, The 49ers, I'm not going to give anything away but I think they're going to be very good this year I think Trey Lance is going to be what they thought they were um and I know that if you listen to last week's episode there was some maybe some doubt in that but I'm I'm not doubting anymore um I will take the 49ers in that game next we have the Eagles and the Lions Eagles bring AJ Brown on uh I like what they did in the draft with Nicobe Dean as well. I think their defense is going to be improved. I like the Eagles a lot this year. I will take the Eagles over the Lions in this one. Next, we have the Patriots and the Dolphins. The Dolphins, I think, are going to be one of the more exciting teams in the NFL this year. And I don't know if it's because it's going to be like so good or so bad. I feel like I'm going to be watching... Like a person walk across a tightrope or a like a crash about to happen where you think it's about to happen or something. I don't know. I think the Dolphins have a chance to be really good or Tua just doesn't develop and is not good enough and they're not good at all. I love the play calling that uh, Mike Daniels runs. I'm interested to see how he handles just being an NFL coach and listening to his press conferences and everything. With the Patriots, obviously, Mac Jones, they bring in a few wide receivers for him. It'll be interesting to see how they handle Ramondre Stevens and the Damian Harris. They lose J.C. Jackson as well on the cornerback. But Belichick, say what you will about him, he knows how to get the most out of guys on the defensive side of the ball, scheme things up, all that other things. Uh Patriots will be totally fine, probably what they were last year, not elevated. Uh, I don't think they did enough to elevate themselves to the next level of competitors. I will take the Dolphins in this one. In the next game, you have the Ravens going to the Jets. I like the Ravens a lot this year. Lamar Jackson coming back from injury. You have Rashad Bateman, who I think is going to take a leap as the number one receiver there. Mark Andrews, J.K. Dobbins coming off injury. They draft Kyle Hamilton through the draft, obviously. Bring him in. They get some other defensive guys back from injury and healthy. Uh, This is a sack pick of the week as well. Baltimore is minus seven. Get that early because I think it's only going to go up. Uh, The Jets, 
I like what they did through the draft. Obviously, they bring in Brees Hall. They bring in Garrett Wilson, Sauce Gardner. Uh, but Zach Wilson, still question marks there. Offensive line, question marks there. Sala, is he a good enough NFL coach to do that, or is he just a really good defensive coordinator? Still remains to be seen. Uh, I will take the Ravens over the Jets because, obviously, Wilson's going to be out. Joe Flacco, I like the Ravens. Next, we have the Jaguars and the Commanders. A lot of people are high on the Jaguars this year. Not to be a threat, I don't think, in the AFC South or the AFC in general, but to improve. I think they will. I think Peterson is going to help out Trevor Lawrence and that offense a good amount. It'll be interesting to see how they handle ETN and Robinson. That could be a very formidable one-two punch in the NFL. Maybe take some pressure off of Trevor Lawrence if they're willing to lean on that and improve their offensive line and whatnot. I'm interested to see how Christian Kirk does after the massive money they gave him. The Commanders, once that defensive line gets healthy, I think they have a chance to make a little bit of noise in the NFC East. Uh, We saw... I understand that the Colts roster last year is better than this commander's roster but I do think that this commander's team is playing in a much weaker division than what the Colts did last year so if Carson Wentz can just not suck the last two weeks of the season like he did last year maybe this commander's team can make a run in the NFC East but um, I, I just think that hopefully once the defensive line and the rest of the defense is healthy for the commanders, they can sort of get back to the style of play they had two years ago um, and be a defensive team. And hopefully Wentz with, can elevate McLaurin's play and Dotson's play that they got through the draft. But I'm not holding my breath on that. In this game, I will probably take... Well, screw it. I'll take the Jaguars. Let's get crazy. Next game, I don't. There's not much I need to really say about the Texans. They're in total rebuilding mode. Uh, Pierce is probably going to be the bright spot of that team all year. The Colts bring in Matt Ryan, elevate them a little bit. I think he's much better than what Carson Wentz was, even if he is a little bit older. The defense is good. The offensive line, good. Jonathan Taylor, great. It'll be interesting to see if Michael Pittman makes that jump like everybody is predicting him to. It'll be interesting to see how maybe Paris Campbell and Ag Pierce can be involved in this offense as well. Uh, I like the Colts. I think they're going to have a decent year, and I think it gets started with a win against the Texans. Next, we have the Giants and the Titans. The Titans getting back Derrick Henry after his injury last year. Ryan Tannehill remains to be a massive question mark. I wouldn't be surprised to maybe see Malik Willis maybe at some point this year, whether that's through Tannehill's ineptability or if the team is just not as good as they should be. I don't know, but I'm a believer in Malik Willis. I think he went to a decent landing spot, especially if you can keep Derrick Henry there, which they probably will. But um, pairing him with Burks from Arkansas at wide receiver and then having Henry that he can, if Willis is ever in trouble, if he does get to play, you can hand the ball off to him about 30, 35 times a game. That helps. Um, They did lose their sack leader from last year um, to injury in preseason. The Giants, though, um, I I was, excuse me, I was referencing the Titans there. Um, Looking at the Giants, as I said, they bring in Brian Dable. 
Saquon Barkley back fully healthy now. Uh, Tony, uh, wide receiver there. Wondell Robinson receiver there. Sterling Shepard receiving there. There's pieces in place. The defense isn't like the worst in the NFL, but it's not good either. And like I said, there's offensive pieces, but Daniel Jones just like, what the fuck? Like, I feel like this is the, his year. Either you're going to show that you're a competent NFL quarterback or, Hey, I'm like a career backup. Like that's totally fine. I went to Duke. Like I'm a career backup. Cool. Whatever. But this is the like shit or get it off the pot year for me with Daniel Jones. And I think the giants share that same, Sentiment, And I think uh, he's going to be getting off the pot at the end of the year. And I think that starts with a loss to the Titans. The next game on the docket is a fairly big matchup in the NFC North. The Packers losing out on Devontae Adams. Then the Vikings on the other side. They bring in Kevin Connell, O'Connell, the... Offensive coordinator from the Rams last year. A lot of people predicting that that offense is going to take a pretty big leap. Which, how big of a leap can you have if Kirk Cousins is your quarterback? I'm very interested to see how this division shakes out. Because I think there is no real like one team that's going to separate itself. I do think that probably the Packers have like the most talent roster-wise. But... Just make up team-wise and everything. I think the Vikings could probably win this division. I also think with the Packers, I think they're going to move and shift and have Rodgers passing-wise be a bit more complimentary to Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon out of the backfield. I uh, Let me see what the line is on this real quick. Green Bay, minus one and a half. I'm going to actually take the Vikings. I think the Vikings win this game. If you remember last year, the Packers started off slow in the first game. Um, That didn't really matter come the end of the season. But they started off slow. Maybe I think they uh, do that again. Moving on, the next game on the NFL slate. A good one. Chiefs go to the Cardinals. Chiefs are six-point favorites in this one. The Cardinals are going to be without uh, DeAndre Hopkins, their number one receiver. They bring over Marquise Brown uh, the night of the draft to repair him with his college quarterback, Kyler Murray. They establish James Conner as the clear-cut number one. Kyler gets paid that huge contract in the offseason, and you had that drama, obviously, with the independent study clause and the rumors and the everything about his film watching habits I'm just over that sick of that Kyler Murray's a good NFL quarterback the Chiefs on the other side of the ball obviously Patrick Mahomes one of if not the best quarterbacks in the NFL but he loses Tyreek Hill and I think Tyreek Hill is a I think we're going to see he was he in no means made Patrick Mahomes but I think he was the perfect wide receiver for Patrick Mahomes, if that makes sense. They bring in Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Sky Moore. They still obviously have Travis Kelsey. That defense is improved as well. I think the Chiefs are going to be decent, but I just... I'm having a hard time seeing them as like Super Bowl favorites, AFC favorites, and I understand that like they still have all these other pieces, but I do think the loss of Tiger Kill is going to hurt them. The run game with them, with Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and then 
I mean, they bring in Presco through the draft who impressed during camp. They have Jarek McKinnon, who I think is a very good running back. He's dealt with some injuries, but if he was given a chance, I think he could do well. But that running game just hasn't been good enough for them in the past couple of years for them to win on the big stage like they should. Going back to that game against the Bengals in the playoffs last year, you think if they could have just like ran the ball that entire second half that maybe things could have like worked out a little bit better for them? I think so, but that's neither here nor there at this point. I'm actually going to go with the Cardinals to cover this game. This is the other sack pick of the week. Um, So there's your three there. Um, But yeah, I think the Cardinals can cover this. Then the, I think this could be an extremely good game. It's an extremely important game week one in the AFC West. But you have the Raiders going to the Chargers. I am, uh, I'm not going to spoil some things. But I think the Chargers are going to be very good this year. I like what they did on the defensive side of the ball, bringing in J.C. Jackson, even though he's going to be dealing with some injuries, bringing in Khalil Mack to pair with Joey Bosa. I think Keenan Allen is still very good. Austin Eckler still very good. They upgraded the offensive line as well. They obviously Justin Herbert there, Mike Williams, Josh Palmer. I like the Chargers a lot. The Raiders as well improved this offseason. They bring in Devontae Adams. The defensive line for them is still good. The rest of the defense still a little questionable to me. That's where I think they run into some trouble. Josh Jacobs, they bring uh, him back. They don't pick up his fifth-year option. Josh McDonald's as the new head coach. He's had success previously um, in the AFC West with the Broncos. We'll talk about them in a little bit. I think Derek Carr takes a bit of a step forward this year. Obviously, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, Amir White. There's talent there. It's just, can all the pieces come together, and can that defense be good enough? Uh, I will take the Chargers in this one. Um, Again, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I, I like the Chargers a lot this year. Uh, the Sunday night game. We have the Buccaneers going to the Cowboys. Cowboys are without a number two wide receiver for a little bit until Michael Gallup gets back. The offensive line, they're dropping like flies. They have to bring in Marcus Peters, uh, who's a great future Hall of Famer offensive lineman, but older. The defense, I think, got worse. Michael Parsons is still there, obviously. Trayvon Diggs, who you got to think there's going to be some interception regression this year. And without the interceptions, he's just... uh, okay cornerback who kind of gets beat more than he liked you would like um the defensive line outside of Parsons isn't anything to write home about um as much as it pains me to say Elliot has regressed since he got his contract it's it'll just be interesting to see how that team with McCarthy um I think you got to get rid of him if this year yeah they don't make the playoffs I didn't like the hire when they made it uh we saw last year the controversial play calling he had at the end of the playoff game with the time management and the running of the draw and just all of that I didn't like the Mike McCarthy hire I still don't I don't know who you you can get anybody like it's one of the sexiest positions in sports, and you go with Mike McCarthy, that's just bleh. Uh The Buccaneers, Tom Brady, all of that, like, I don't know, drama, whatever you want to call it, where he took basically two weeks off from camp. 
They're still going to have a good team. The offensive line got banged up in preseason. They lose a couple guys there. The defense is still going to be solid. Uh, The wide receiving core is still going to be good. It'll be interesting to see if Fournette is still used as much as he was in the passing game last year. It'll be interesting to see who steps up with Gronk out, whether they try and get another receiver involved, like a Julio Jones, who they signed in free agency. Uh, It's nice to see that Chris Godwin is already back from his injury and expected week one. Mike Evans, he's solid. The Bucs, the Bucs are the Bucs. Like, they're going to be good. There's talent all over that roster. I will take the Buccaneers in this game. And then wrapping up our week one preview, the Broncos go to the Seahawks. How fitting to have Russell Westbrook back in Seattle for his first game as a Bronco. Um, There's talent, again, all over that offense and all over that defense for Denver. You have Jerry Judy, you have Cortland Sutton, you have K.J. Hamler, the running backs, Gordon and Javante Williams. I think Williams is going to take a massive leap forward. Albert O, potentially a tight end, could have a breakout year. Sertan, Baron Browning on the defensive side of the ball. Just a, a ton, a ton of talent on the defensive side of the ball for the Broncos. For the Seahawks, um... Uh, just, it's a bad day. It's a sad day, I think, is going to be what most of their fans are going to be saying on Sundays this year. Uh, don't like Drew Locke or Geno Smith. Rashad Penny is fine. A shame what happened to Chris Carson that he had to retire. DK, DK Metcalf is extremely good, one of the best young receivers in the NFL, but I don't feel great about either of those two guys getting him the ball. Tyler Lockett is still there, obviously. The defense doesn't do anything for me Um, I'm going to take the Broncos over the Seahawks in this one so now that the week one slate is covered I'm going to get into some uh, season-long previews and things like that Uh, the NFC was about a billion times easier than the AFC to do so I'm going to start with the NFC in the NFC in the north I had the Vikings winning I think there's enough talent there. I think the coaching change helps the offensive-mindedness of the NFL. You need to have an offensive-minded coach where Zimmer was more hard-nosed defense. Kirk Cousins isn't, like, great, but there's enough talent with Jefferson, Thielen, Osborne, uh, Irv Smith Jr., Dalvin Cook there, where maybe if he just doesn't suck and the Packers take a regression back that they can end up winning the NFC North. In the NFC South, the Bucks as well. There's really only one other team down there that concerns me is the Saints, but I do think roster-wise the Bucks have a better one, so I'll give it to them. The East, the Eagles repeating. I feel like I've seen a stat where the NFC East, like divisional winner, hasn't repeated in like over 20 years or something like that. But I do think head and shoulders they have the best talent and the best roster in the east um again Jalen Hurts maybe not be like he's a good fantasy quarterback but at times not the best NFL quarterback it's a run heavy scheme it'll be I think opening up a little bit with Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown there I think A.J. Brown can be a pretty good complement to what Hurts does well throwing the ball so I'm going to take them to win the east out of the West, uh, I think it is basically um, – I don't want to say a two-team race with the 49ers and with the – car. Uh, excuse me, the 49ers and the Rams, but 
as I alluded to earlier, I do think Trey Lance is going to be for real. Um, I like what that he brings to the table. I like that they're going to be able to use his arm a little bit more. I think he's much better um, quarterback-wise than what Jimmy Garoppolo was. Going back to the games that in the playoffs last year that Jimmy Garoppolo lost to the Rams, if just one or two more like big plays are made offensive-wise, do the 49ers win those games? Like, Is that a possibility? I think you have much more of a chance of those plays being made with Trey Lance, a quarterback, than you do with Jimmy Garoppolo, 100%. The 49ers defense with Bosa and Warner as well there, love what they have there, the way they get guys the ball, the run game, Debo Samuel, George Kittle as well. Um, I like the roster makeup. I like Shanahan as well. He's a fantastic offensive play caller. I like the 49ers to win the NFC West. I'm, I still like the Rams. I have them as one of the wild cards as well. Not taking anything away from them. I think I like what they did in the offseason, who they brought in um, on the defense side, the ball with Wagner and Allen Robinson. But I think that the 49ers were just missing that one guy, uh, i.e. at the quarterback position, Trey Lance, that could make some dynamic plays. And I think they got him um, this year with Trey Lance. So I'm there. Uh, so that covers that. My wild cards outside of the Rams, I have the Packers. I think they just play in a bad division, and they're going to be able to handle the bad teams in their division more than what the Cardinals are going to because I was thinking about putting the Cardinals there, but the Cardinals don't get to play the Bears and the Lions twice, so I'm going to take the Packers there, and then my final wild card in the NFC, I have the Saints. I I mean, they get to play the Panthers and the Falcons, two bad teams, and I think their roster is good enough, and I think if Jameis Winston is healthy enough, he can be a little bit of that game manager, but also if you're like, hey, Jameis, go win this, he has that ability and that like those intangibles to where he can go out and make plays, and the defense is going to be solid again like it was last year. They bring in a ton of guys back with Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, and Chris Olave, as I've said. Um, I like what the Saints have, possibly, so I put them there. Switching things up, we go to the AFC. In the AFC North, uh, I have the Ravens. I understand that the Bengals still there. Uh, Bengals fans are going to say they upgraded the offensive line. We have all this talent, blah, 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 whatever. Um, I just think the Ravens are the better team. I like their defense way more than I like the Bengals' defense. I'm going to give the Ravens the nod in the AFC North. In the AFC South, I have the Colts. Uh, The Titans were also flirting there with me, but I don't think Tannehill um, can do enough, whether they make the change to Malik Willis or not in the middle of the season remains to be seen, but I don't feel comfortable in the roster for the Titans outside of really Derrick Henry. Um, The Colts, I feel good with Pittman. I feel good with Jonathan Taylor. I feel good with their offensive line. And Matt Ryan, I think, is sort of – he's maybe not – I think he is probably a better thrower than Tannehill at the time being. Tannehill obviously has some use with his legs, which Matt Ryan has never had. But uh, I think the Colts are the team to beat in the AFC South. In the AFC East, um, I'm going with the Bills. I flirted with the Dolphins a little bit, but that's a little too much for my uh, taste. I just think this is really the year that Josh Allen and the Bills kind of separate themselves from that East and sort of take over that Patriots role. 
um, where they sort of are ruling that for a few years to come. And then in the AFC West, probably the deepest division um, where you have the Chiefs, you have the Broncos, you have the Raiders, and the Chargers. I am ultimately going to go with the Chargers in that one. Again, Love what they did in the offseason on the defensive side of the ball. I love that they reshirt up their offensive line as well. Uh, I like Eckler. I like Herbert. I think Herbert's taking a massive leap forward this year. So there is that. My wild cards in the AFC, I can't keep out Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. I think they're too good. Um, I think he is too good of a quarterback, and I think there is too many pieces along that team um, where if they do pan out, then – they just can't be kept out of the playoffs. Um, I'm also going to put the Bengals in there as well. I do still think they're a good enough team. Uh, regardless, obviously, they go to the playoffs last year, Super Bowl last year. They lose that game, but I do think they are going to find themselves back in the playoffs. And then my final wild card, I was down to three teams. I'm down to the Raiders, the Broncos, and the Dolphins, and I am going to go with the Raiders. The reason I do that is I understand that Russell Wilson is the best quarterback out of those three. And I understand that the Dolphins or Denver probably have the better, like, defensive team but I think the Dolphins with Tua are a little limited and I think the running game there unless Moser can stay healthy is a little eh. Denver I think has good offense and probably the best running game out of those but I think passing game wise weapons wise Hunter Renfro Devontae Adams Darren Waller and then those guys are more proven to me than what Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, KJ Hamler, and Albert O are. Um, so that's why I'm going with the Raiders. I think Derek Carr can elevate a little bit. Josh Jacobs is going to be good. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they use Amir White at all. Um, but I like what Josh Jacobs can do. And I just think that the weapons around Derek Carr are going to elevate his play. And I think the defensive line is going to be good enough for the Raiders to get them into the playoffs. So that is where that that leads off um, my MVP for the NFL season. I told you I like the Chargers. I like Justin Herbert. I think he wins the MVP. I don't know if they're going to want to crown Josh Allen this year. If they do, so be it. But I like Justin Herbert. Um, my coach of the year, I'm going to give it to, um, let's see. Shit, there. I mean, somebody, some team will probably get banged up and make a deep run or playoffs or something. And uh, shit, maybe I'll give it to O'Connell um, for the Vikings making the playoffs in his first year. Um, comeback player of the year, I'm going to probably give it to either Derrick Henry or Mike Thomas. That seems like a safe bet. Um, and then my Super Bowl, again, this is probably going to change after like week three, but right now I have the Chargers over the 49ers. It's just simple as that. I like both of those quarterbacks. I like the pieces they have around them. I like the offensive place calling of Shanahan. I think the way the Chargers missed out on the playoffs last year is going to fuel all of those guys and that team. So I like the Chargers over the 49ers. And that is going to do it for the NFL portion of this 
episode of Carson Sack, and that is actually going to do it for the entire episode of Carson Sack. I will be back next week with, again, the mail sack. Keep your eyes peeled on my social stories for that. Um, We'll be talking about college football and talking about NFL again. Um, We are full steam ahead with this season of Carson Sack. I appreciate you all tuning in to last week's episode. I appreciate you all listening to this week's episode. Um, Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. We are back for the seventh year doing this. Love getting these episodes out to you all. Uh, before I get out of here, like, rate, review, subscribe, all that other good shit on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you so happen to get your podcast from. I would greatly appreciate that. Um, also, feel free to talk to me about the podcast if you see me out. I love talking to you all, um, all my friends or family or anybody that listens to this. Please come up and talk to me about it. I thoroughly enjoy it. And uh, yeah. So it's about time to get out of here. So as we always end here on the sack, we will be seeing you.